Hey, IDC family, you might notice that this is a longer episode, and also I'm recording in uh, a faraway country, which means we're not in the studio, so that's why uh, the audio is going to sound different. This is a much uh, a longer episode, and, and we're going to have several of these uh, with uh, our uh, sent, uh, sent out folks uh, who are laboring overseas, and so uh, bear with the different audio quality, different sound, different format a little bit, uh, but we hope you find these uh, encouraging and uh, that it really just uh, stir, stirs, stirs you up uh, for uh, um, just praying for these folks, being encouraged, invested in their work, and uh, yeah, bearing with the, uh, the slightly different sound. Thanks. Welcome to the Strapping Together podcast, a podcast for the Imago Day Church family to help us follow Jesus together in the grace of His gospel. My name is Shane Shaddix, and I have the privilege of serving as the discipleship pastor at IDC. And I am joined today by Andrew and Amy. Uh, we are coming to you from Southeast Asia. So this is going to be one of a series of podcasts that we'll do, uh, having conversations with uh, overseas workers that have been sent out uh, by IDC, and we continue to partner with uh, to make disciples and plant churches around the globe. Uh, Andrew and Amy, thanks for taking the time this fine afternoon to uh, talk with us. Our pleasure, Shane. Hey, everybody. Uh, Andrew's making funny faces at me. Um, so, uh, as I mentioned, uh, my wife and I, Alicia, are uh, me, and, me and Alicia are on a, a tour of sorts uh, around uh, Southeast Asia and other countries, and we're going to get to hang out with several IDC uh, folks. And uh, we've been here for two and a half days or so uh, with Andrew and Amy and their family, and uh, we've just had the privilege of, of hanging out, encouraging one another, playing some games, eating some food, that kind of thing. So. Um, Andrew's a big, big game guy. Uh, but we just want to take... Um, cleaned house last night. That's true. She, she, as she does um, normally. Um, okay, so what we want to do is just uh, take a little time and introduce the IDC family to uh, you guys' life and your context and especially the ministry that's going on here, what the Lord is doing, what has uh, he has done, and then uh, ways that the IDC family can be praying for you guys, supporting you, that kind of thing. So uh, let's just start with kind of facts uh, you know, as far as how you guys, how long have you guys been here? Tell us, tell us where you are to the extent that you're comfortable sharing. Um, how long have you been here? Tell us about your family. Uh, update us with the basics. We are in Southeast Asia. Um, we have a six-year-old named Hudson and a four-and-a-half-year-old named Ivy. We came to the field when Hudson was six months old, so we've been here for five-and-a-half years. Um, and Is all that true? That's all true. Can't confirm. I don't know what else to add to that. That's good. Yeah. Uh, maybe give a, let's back up a little bit. Um, many of you guys, if you've been around IDC for a while, uh, are familiar with uh, the ministry that's going on at Cedar Point. Uh, you guys were both involved at Cedar Point for uh, a while. Tell us about that time of your lives. Uh, just, just give people context for even what life in Raleigh was like before the Lord brought you here. Yeah, I'll hit this from my perspective, okay. and Amy can throw some stuff in. So uh, I came back from a journeyman term and was looking to get outside of sort of the bubble and get in a place where I could do ministry with um, people, um, yeah, with with lost people. I was looking for a place with a lot of lost people. It didn't even have to be internationals, but I ran into this apartment complex where it was just full of refugees, 
and uh, it worked out. And I first learned about Amy because I was sharing the gospel with a girl there and she already knew everything <laughs> and she was kind of showing off about it. And to the point where she was talking about like Pontius Pilate or something. And, <laughs> I, and I was like, how do you know that? And she said, Miss Amy taught me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, who's Miss Amy? And she said, she lives here and she does Bible studies. And I imagined her as something beside, I imagined her as like kind of an older <laughs> woman, but um, I was wrong. I, I met her there. And at the time, I think me and Amy were the only people that had moved into Cedar Point intentionally to do ministry. And um, Amy had already been there doing doing refugee ministry for years. Yeah. I didn't even know it. And as, as some of you have seen, it blossomed into a yeah. whole kind of full Lord ministry that still exists today. And we're really thankful for that. How, how long were you kind of doing ministry, Amy, at, uh, at Cedar Point? Uh, I was moved? living there for eight years. Yeah. Um, before, before I moved, maybe a year or two. Um, but yeah, I was a teacher in Wake County and started working with those families and then stopped teaching to do it full time. Um, but yeah, we were really thankful just to work in that community. We used education as a big platform, but really seeking to share the gospel and to see um, people from all over the world come to know the Lord. And we saw openness to the gospel um, because of their vulnerability and their just being away from their home culture. Um, But yeah, the sweetest relationships were with our young people, um, those Bible studies, and we just Many of them came to know the Lord, and they're still going on for the Lord. So yeah. um, that's really encouraging. Um, but yeah, I, the Lord gave me that opportunity while I was waiting for Andrew to come <laughs> move across the apartment complex, and the rest, uh, the rest is yeah. history. Well, I, I know, I know, I can take no credit for you guys uh, getting together and getting married, but I will never forget the day that. Uh, I, I walked into uh, a, a hangout or something you guys were doing. So Andrew and I have yeah. been close yeah. friends, yeah, <laughs> as one does. Uh, and uh, Andrew and I have been been good friends since really like first week of college. And so when you moved to Raleigh, we were hanging out at one of these parties these these wild raging parties <laughs> that Andrew was was throwing at at Cedar Point. Uh-huh. And you had told me that uh, about this Miss Amy that was that was there, and yeah. we, we I walked in and. It was just like, what are you, what are you waiting for right now? Uh, and again, I, I know, I know that's not why you guys got together, but I'd like to think that I had something to do with that. Uh, I think the quote was Shane looked at me after Amy <laughs> left the apartment and said, uh, Andrew. And I said, I don't know. <laughs> and, and the rest is history. actually the extent of that whole conversation, but it, it, there were no it, words. it communicated enough. Yeah. And yeah. the rest is history. That's right. Uh, so you guys get married, uh, obviously had, uh, uh, Hudson. And then how did you guys, um, by that point you were already well in the process. How did you guys land on this particular kind of region of the world, this particular country? Uh, how do you get the sense that the Lord was leading you here? I think there's a lot of background, mm-hmm. uh, that you could point to for how we ended up here, but some things, uh, are pretty funny. Like I actually, at the time, the way that it worked was you would go to like this expo event. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of that event, you would kind of get to interview different people from different places and you would put your top three whole areas of the world, uh, narrow down the world into three. Yeah. And we were pretty undecided until the very last second. In fact, I actually put Southeast Asia as number one. Oh, I'm sorry. I put South Asia as number one. And then before I turned the paper in, I squeezed an E. East. <laughs> yeah, it was S Asia, and I stuck an E right 
in between. It had the tiniest little horizontal Uh lines on it, you know, (laughs) right in the middle. But, uh, so that we got Southeast Asia, we got placed in Southeast Asia after that. Uh, and that was, that was, you know, providential. And then after that, we asked the guy who was sort of the consultant for Southeast Asia jobs to send us everything he had for Southeast Asia. And he literally sent us just this one job. Hmm. He said, I'll send you everything. And he just sent us this one job. And I never asked for any more. I read it and we just went, we went with it. We knew a lot of people from this country. We Mm -hmm. had worked with uh, refugees from this country a lot in the past. Uh, I knew people that had been here before. It fit. And so, yeah. Yeah. And we, we didn't have connections with the team that we're actually on right now. Um, And we knew about a job here, but we didn't want it. Like we, we actually wanted our hearts were like, yeah, that would be awesome. We love those people. We already have connections before expo. Yeah. Before expo, but we wanted to like open up the whole world. Like where does the Lord want us to go? And so we wanted to be really open, open handed. That's why we were like, we shouldn't just do the easy one, but the Lord just kept confirming Mm. it all the way down the road. And so here we are. Um, the Lord really did give us that desire. Um, not that it's like the easiest, <laughs> plushest place to live, but um, we lo- we do love the people, and um, we're just thankful to be here at a time like this, where although the country is facing a lot of hardships, mm-hmm. um, we are seeing a lot of fruit, and so um, we're really thankful to be to be kind of in this new time, yeah. this new season for this country. And, yeah. yeah, that's good. Um, when you guys first moved in country, you were in a different city. That was uh, just for those who might not know. Uh, kind of when you when you land, your your initial, almost your first two or three years is is mm. is it fair to say is primarily dedicated to language learning? Is that is that accurate? Yeah, I think in different places that probably mm. changes depending on your context. But here, uh, there's so little English, yeah. and even you have so little um, resources for interpreters and stuff like that, that you, you have to, you have to know the language, get your language down. So we committed ourselves to that. Glad we did. So, uh, for, for a year, year and a half in a different year and a half in a different, different city. Uh, and then you move to this city, which is kind of the, the the second city of sorts, uh, Mm -hmm. in, in this country. And, uh, and then you've been here ever since had a stateside term in between had, Right. COVID disruptions, all that kind of other stuff. Yeah. Um, but this yeah. is where you guys have been for four plus years at this point. That's right. Yeah. Um, let's just talk, kind of paint the picture as much as we can for folks as far as what like what life is like here. Um, not necessarily asking to uh, kind of complain about all the woes or whatever, but give people as much as possible some of the some of the the practical challenges of living in this city uh, for uh, Westerners, for us, <laughs> for you guys. Okay. This city is um, definitely strategic in reaching the, we are working with the main people group of this um, country, which is the most unreached. Um, The the smaller ethnic groups have been reached in the past along the borders, but this is, the city is in the heart of the country. It's also called the dry zone. It's flat, very hot, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's where um, just the main people group is are centered. And so we're thankful to be here. It's not easy. Um, as far as getting permissions from the government and from immigration, um, we are constantly kind of trying to please them and, Mm -hmm. um, meet those expectations. There's not a lot of foreigners here. Um, 
This is the second largest city in the country, but it's, it feels more like a town. Mm-hmm. I'd say um, we do live in a house and um, yeah, we got to pump water every day up to the top of our house. Um, Andrew fights all the creatures mm-hmm. in the back of the house. We have, we, we, we don't always have power. Um, right now power is um, off more than it's on. We all, we, have very little power. <laughs> <laughs> um, but thankfully, um, the Lord has provided. We have, we do have a generator and we also have an alternative power s- system, a battery that we love to turn on when the power goes off. I think, I think let's camp out there for a second because I think that's where you want to camp. <laughs> I, I, I've been able to just get a little taste of Yeah, it. I've been able to see this this in action. And I, I, I want to give people a sense of both how awesome this is, but also kind of the, uh, you, you didn't just go purchase this. Okay, so power, uh, a couple years ago is really when power started cutting out more consistently. Is that correct? Because when you guys first got here, that wasn't necessarily the case, right? No, it was, you know, when we first got here, I'm going to, back up just a little bit. When we first got here, everyone in this country was optimistic because things were changing in a good way. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of years after we had been here, um, several years after we'd been here, there was uh, some political things happened. It mm-hmm. led to a military takeover and that headed down some, uh, that changed the course of history for this country and for our ministries as well. So um, right now, like, Let's see. I mean, like last night, we had power for a total of maybe two hours all night last night. And the temperatures are getting up past 100. Mm -hmm. Um, It's humid, too. Yeah. Yesterday, all day yesterday, it was like four hours of power, I think, that we had. Yeah. So, we make up for that, like Amy said, with the generator and the battery and stuff. But she, she got a generator. Easy. Yeah. Uh, but then you, you decided you needed to more. find a way I need to, more. St- <laughs> <laughs> you're like, what was that? Uh, uh Tim, Tim Taylor, you're like yeah. home improvement. You needed more power, <laughs> more power. Uh, and so you needed a way to store power yeah. when power was on so that you could use it when power is not on. So you, you rigged basically mm-hmm. yeah. you had, you had specially shipped here, ship slash, Delivered here in creative means, battery packs, right? Yeah. Lithium battery packs that you then watched a u- lot of YouTube videos about how to connect together. Yes. And so that when power's on, it would it would charge these batteries. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And then how is it that you that we have some engineers who are going to be they want the details here. Uh, how is it that all of a sudden power goes off the the batteries? run the house like what what do you have to do yeah the power goes off and we have it set up i could set it up where it switch over automatically but we got it set up on a thing where i go around and turn everything off so that the battery can handle the load and then switch the battery on and uh, the battery puts juice through the inverter which makes it acceptable for our house and its appliances to run and, and does all that i'm not an engineer but I stayed up late a whole lot of nights and learned about how people with camping vans and like preppers <laughs> do this and, uh, and you put the dots yeah. together, had the pieces brought in uh, creative ways to where we live and yeah, yeah made it happen. And now everybody else in, on, on your team is there. They're trying to get in on the like battery every, action. Like everyone in the country. Yeah. I take a little pride in that. Yeah, as well you should. It's, it's, it's quite impressive. Right. The things that you you didn't know you were probably signing up for when you, when you took this job, right? Right. (laughs) A lot more maintenance. Yeah. 
yeah. than I thought I was signing up for. Our, our goal was to for the kids to be for their aircon to run all night, like if we didn't have power. Because if they sleep good, if they're happy, then we can all make it through the next yeah. hot day. And so that was really what we decided our goal was. And and, and Andrew made that at like sixteen. <laughs> but, it's incredible. Um, yeah. It's incredible in except for when you mess up the inverter and start smelling smoke last we night. Is almost right? did burn our whole house down <laughs> last night. A moment of forgetfulness about the amount of load I'd put on the inverter. You were just caught up in the game that you were losing at that point. Let's not talk about okay. games. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, so it just gives you a, a, a sense. Um, I mean, you know, we're, we're on this tour. You guys are, are definitely have uh, on the lower end of kind of access to like a lot of just kind of creaturely comforts that, uh, um, that's, you know, some, some of our folks have. And that, I know that's not a competition or anything like that. You guys, there's no, uh, you know, prize you get for that. But at the same time, it does give a sense of like, this is, this is not in, in a lot of ways, this is not a, a particularly comfortable place to, to live. Right. Yeah. I'm not trying to put notches in my belt. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah. I could, you well, know. that's why I'm, I'm, I'm highlighting it. Uh, if I could buy sure. a burrito down the street, I would do that yeah. <laughs> every single <With> day. <laughs> yeah. You're not, you're not uh, trying to uh, accentuate how, no, how difficult. No. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, as I'm sitting at like a box of Cheerios over your, over your, uh, shoulder here. So Cheerios were imported <laughs> by a person, that's not right. like a company. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, okay. Let's talk, uh, let's talk ministry. So, uh, the, 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 the gospel has been in this country for a long time. Um, so you can kind of go back and read about, uh, significant people who have brought the gospel to this particular, this particular country. Um, why is there still need for workers to be here, uh, sharing the gospel, making disciples, that kind of thing, like paint a picture of the kind of the gospel need in this country right now. Yeah. Our people group, uh, and when I say people group, I'm describing a self-identifying group of people with their own language and discernible culture. Mm -hmm. Our people group is probably about 35, 36 million people worldwide, 32 million people in this country. Mm -hmm. And of those 32 million people, 0.08% claim to be evangelical. And the claim is suspect. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, you can do the math on that. Yeah. That's like one in every, what, like 8,000 people, yeah. something like that. I believe you. I, I can't, can't do the math on my head. You might want to edit that out. <laughs> anyway, um, so it's it's rough, man. That yeah. means that there's villages and villages. I mean, we're in a city surrounded by villages all over the place. And in you know, if you throw a dart and hit any of those villages, it's extremely likely that there's no one in that village really understands who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. There's no church. There's not a single believer. There's no witness there. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, historically, there's been work done here. It seemed to have caught uh, in minority people groups faster. Not all of them, but but some of them. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, so, you guys uh, got, got here uh, several years ago. What does it look like to... Um, to begin kind of tackling that kind of challenge of like you wanting to see the gospel spread and that many people where there's just not a lot of footholds uh, to kind of grab hold of. There's not a lot of momentum already running that you're trying to like run with, I guess. So tell us what it looks like to, 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 
to start something or to pick up something that's like just doesn't have a whole lot of momentum. I, I think that's something that, especially folks in the States, it's just really hard to imagine going anywhere where there's not, which is just nothing or yeah. so little going on. So how, how did it look like for you guys to, what did it look like for you guys to, all right, where do we begin? Well, after language, which I would never skip, mm-hmm. uh, I think where we started, was, we had a phrase, we said, beat your feet, which is not original to us, but uh, <clears throat> it means you just go out there and start talking to people. And it's as awkward as it sounds. Yeah, it's as, <laughs> it's as awkward as it sounds. And, and um, it's not the kind of thing that when you're on the airplane, something changes in your heart that you become bolder or anything like that. It's awkward in America. It's awkward here. You just, mm-hmm. you just start walking around and when you meet someone that'll talk to you, you talk to them and sometimes they're willing to talk. Sometimes they're not. If you take them, you know, as far as you're willing to go and be pretty upfront about, we're usually pretty upfront about, uh, you know, we get, we get to spiritual things quick enough that mm-hmm. we can judge interest and, and decide to follow up or not. And then as you're doing that uh, along the way, you may meet other believers who may or may not be interested in joining you and you just invite them, but you're still sort of having to take initiative and they're coming with you uh, rather than sort of you fit into what they're already doing. And that's how we got started. It was a lot of uh, hard, awkward, um, honestly, failure. Mm. A a lot of, you don't want to say failure in, in a, from a kingdom perspective. I mean, it's faithfulness, but it wasn't like, you know, we were seeing just right. fruit everywhere we went or anything like yeah. that, you know? Yeah. That's good. Um, but we, we also, um, we're part of a local, um, body here, mm-hmm. established church and, um, just asking the different people there, um, like what they were doing and how we could like cast vision and, um, join in and yeah, cast vision and take it further. And so one lady was doing some ch- children, mm-hmm. um, work, in her, in her neighborhood. And so we kind of, that was a launching point to really where we've seen a lot of fruit was just doing, inviting them to Sunday school and doing tutoring with them. And so we, um, kind of cast vision for their parents and, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we've seen a lot. That's where we've seen most of the fruit is in that neighborhood, but it is overwhelming. I mean, you walk around this neighborhoods and around this whole country and you just see Buddhist pagodas everywhere. Mm -hmm. And, families that are rooted in that religion. And I remember thinking in like our first couple of years when I was just going around trying to have conversations with people just about anything and hopefully they would talk to me. Yeah. Um, like how in the world is any of these people going to ever like believe mm-hmm. and, cha- and follow Jesus. Mm. And yet we have, we've seen the, it's the Lord. He does yeah. that. Um, but yeah, it is, it's you jump in and um, as Andrew said, get out there and see where the Lord's working and, um, beat your feet. But then he, he, um, moves. Yeah. Yeah. How similar was that kind of that children's ministry reaching out to kids? How similar to that was that to what you were doing in Cedar point for all those years? When we found out that Chitsu was doing similar stuff like that, I was like, Oh my goodness. That is just like what I was doing at Cedar Point. Um, so it was really fun to work with her. And um, she has, beca- she's, um, she's great. Um, and yeah, that was a great launching point. And we've seen a lot of young people come to know the Lord um, through that. Cool. Um, and it's, it, 
it's a great place to start as young people. And then they have brought their parents and their parents have softened to the gospel. Mm. Many, many families, many adults cool. come to know the Lord. Yeah. Um, but those kids have grown up hearing it and um, a lot of them have been baptized. And yeah. It's sweet. And yeah. Yeah. That's good. So uh, maybe just to connect the dots there. So there, there are, there are a few Kind of local congregations here that mm-hmm. you guys can can begin to partner with, and and one of the tasks or desires is to come alongside them, see what's see if anything is already happening. Uh, in some instances, you've got some some you maybe find some individuals that are desiring to to make disciples and and do outreach, and in other instances, you've got people who maybe don't have that same vision. And so, is, is it fair to say that part of your role or desire is to to maybe kind of see if there's an opportunity to even help disciple those folks into having a broader kind of vision of outreach and disciple making. Is that kind of one thing that you try to do kind of in, in at least as, as part of, you know, I don't know if it's phase one or two or whatever, but as part of the work. Yeah, I think that's important. Um, uh, Ultimately this, this uh, work has to be taken over by nationals. I think, I think everybody kind of understands that. Uh, it's tricky to decide, you know, in what situations and who. Um, but yeah, we really would love to um, equip nationals to do this in their own among their own people. And so, I'll take every opportunity I can uh, to do that if I believe that someone is is really willing to do it. You know? mm-hmm. yeah. um, and so, you guys have have at least one kind of congregation that has been established that you're you're working with, that you guys worship with regularly, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then, um, tell us how uh, things developed from there. To so so now things look different, at least in sports. It's it's there's it's spreading. So walk me through the history of sorts of of how it went from finding that congregation, that group of believers, and then coming alongside them, not necessarily like fixing them or anything, but coming alongside them to help kind of s- spread the gospel. And and what does it look like now? So so just kind of go backwards. Tell us when did you guys first start getting kind of new believers, and then what did you do with them? Yeah. Well, I think whenever we met the whenever we talked to people at our, the church we were attending and especially with uh, the lady Amy's talking about, um, I think early on we realized that casting vision in the sense of just sitting down at a table and doing this whole telling you the giant, our giant strategy was not something that they, it was too much, you know? Mm. And so uh, instead we would just talk about the next step, you know, which was, so you've got some kids coming to your house. Have you shared with their parents? And she's like, no. And would you mind if I, you know, with some help from someone from your church, started sharing with their parents? And uh, they were like, yeah, that'd be great. And so uh, that's where it started. We did like a, a Christmas event, invited all the parents to that. The kids did some stuff. And then we went and did follow-up classes If with whoever was interested. Those classes led to uh, sort of consolidated into one group that was meeting to learn more. We eventually called them to a decision sort of at the beginning of COVID. It was getting crazy. Uh, and those, that was an initial nine people who believed. Uh, those nine people had it rough in, in various ways, both just hardship and also general hardship that everyone was going through, but also more specific persecution. Mm. But um, some of those people were just on fire for the Lord and it spread to their neighborhood 
So more and more people began believing. Uh, we came alongside uh, people who were interested in sharing more and, and helped that happen. Um, eventually, two of those people, because of the friction that it caused with their family, uh, two of our initial believers, husband and wife, sorry, were they're wonderful people. And I don't know, sometimes people believe and they just get it and just kind of, uh, I don't know, they're on fire from the beginning. And they were like that, and we have a, a beautiful relationship with them. <laughs> and uh, so Shane got to meet them today. But anyway, yeah. um, so they got kicked out of their house, basically, got pressured out of their house. And uh, we were able to get them moved into an apartment complex where there was just a lot of opportunity to continue the work. And uh, so by this point, that first group had grown, and we had been able to establish uh, our first church plant outside of that initial congregation that we were attending. And then with these, uh, this couple, uh, we helped them continue sharing with their neighbors in that apartment complex until now we're having a weekly meeting. Um, it's a church meeting and, yeah. and, uh, usually there's probably in the teens mm -hmm. people there mm -hmm. and we've, we've dunked several of those people and I don't know how many people from that area. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so you had the, the initial uh, kind of church gathering that was people from that uh, kind of you guys entered into and connected with. And then from there, just through sharing the gospel mm -hmm. and kind of building relationships, there's this new group that, that launches with new believers. Right. And then from there, in the, almost in this like Acts-like persecution drives people to new locations and the church spreads there. You, yeah. you the, the Lord takes this one couple who seems to, I mean, uh, even this afternoon, as Andrew mentioned, I, I got to, uh, uh, we got to go meet this, this couple and he was telling a story and, and as Andrew's translating, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking like these people have a, a very clear grasp on the gospel. Like it was just mm. their sense of understanding, <laughs> uh, was just, uh, it's just it's so encouraging. Yeah. Uh, and just one of those things where like, you, you just feel yourself saying, amen. Yes. So the Lord takes them and that, zeal for for truth and and for the lord into a new location and there is a new group that starts there so now there's really kind of three gatherings and as you you described earlier they're all kind of connected but they're all kind of distinct and in, in, yeah. in their their own ways and they're all thinking about and praying through what does it look like to share with our neighbors and friends and that kind of thing so right. that's that's kind of the sense of like how the the momentum goes forward yeah. um what can you uh, maybe just double click on the the persecution? Give us a sense of what kinds of persecutions and pressures these brothers and sisters are experiencing or feeling as they begin to whether it's consider the gospel or actually believe and want to follow Jesus. Um, give give people who might never have really experienced much pers much persecution uh, in the states. W what does it look like here uh, for these new believers? Uh, yeah, there. The, a lot of the persecution comes from their family. They're like deeply rooted um, Buddhist family, which is w woven in their culture and the way their family operates and what they celebrate, how they do life. And so it almost feels to their family like they're betraying them. Mm. And, you know, some people, even adults, their parents have said, do not enter. And we have seen... A, like do not enter their home? Do not enter, sorry, do not enter the religion. Do not enter mm. like Christianity. And we have seen a good number, the couple that we're talking about, they said they counted the cost and they said, 
sorry, we we're this is true. We're yeah. gonna we're gonna do it. But we have seen some that um unfortunately like fold to that yeah. pressure. Um but when it, we I have a girls Bible study in our home, um girls from a close neighborhood, and one of the girls, her father, when he it was fine for her to go to this Bible study, whatever. But when she started reading her Bible at home and she started asking, can I, yeah, I believe this. And she started sharing with them Hmm. and she asked them, can I get baptized? He got angry. If he came home from work and she was eating rice, he would take it out of her bowl. Um, Her uncle um, went and like raged at this other Korean um, M who was doing a tutoring program in that area. Anyway, um, but since we have seen, I, you know, hmm. she's coming to Bible study sharing this prayer request. And I'm like, what do I tell this 15 year old? Hmm. Um, and uh, anyway, I said, you pray, just pray and just continue. But don't, you know, respect your parents. It's a hard line. Yeah. Especially with the teenagers, different with the adults. But anyway, she prayed and her dad has softened. Hmm. And her and another teenager in that, um, that ex- similar experience, their parents have given them permission to get baptized hmm. um, in this coming year. The huge. Um, blessing to see that sometimes when families do get uh, as it goes on, they're like, okay, this isn't too weird. It's not as scary as, yeah, you know, you can, yeah, sometimes they have all these misconceptions, but it is hard and they get it from their family. They get it from their, their neighborhood. You know, they're, they don't want anyone to change. Yeah. Um, so this, the, the neighborhoods where we've seen the gospel, people just continue to get saved, they're starting to be more and more heat. Okay, this was fine mm. at first when there's like, oh, it really wasn't fine. But now there's like more and more people. Yeah. And, you know, like, I don't know. Well, I think specific stories are good. So, like, uh, that girl's dad basically wouldn't, f- she couldn't eat while her dad was at home. Her mom would have to sneak her food if she was going to eat for, wow. uh, that went on for like, what, a week or two. And uh, another story that we were talking about today in that meeting where Shane met this couple is that um, his, they had an inheritance uh, and his mom confronted them one day and said uh, it was a house and they were going to inherit the house when she passed away. And it was here, that was a big deal. I mean, it's a big part of their life plan, you know, and uh, she told them, she's like, if you're going to believe I'm going to sell the house. And she told them, she said, you can, you can choose. I'm, I'm letting you choose. You can choose Jesus or you can have this house, you know, uh, your inheritance. Uh, otherwise I'm selling your inheritance and I'm taking the money. And, uh, they responded, they said, um, Jesus has given me a house. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> sorry. I'm emotional about that. I said, Jesus has given me a house in <clears throat> in heaven. You know, he's going to take care of me and just go ahead and sell it. And they've always like answered her. She She's come out with stuff like that off and on. And they've always answered her in love. I mean, this is the same lady. They lived in her house when they believed and, and she pressured them to move out. And then this separate house was their inheritance. And she, once they said that she sold it out from under them and now they have no inheritance, mm. um, but they do. Yeah. So mm. that's the stuff, man. That's like the, the things that you love to tell people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as you mentioned, some people in, in receiving this kind of pushback, like there's, it's, it's possible. We've talked about this before, uh, Andrew, like it's possible to like kind of 
glorify persecution as though it's this this um, amazing thing but like the 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 scary thing though is it can work I mean, and jesus tells us it's going to work right and the, the parable of the seeds and the and the, the soils is like the 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 cares of this life and pressure and persecution like actually can like stifle out faith in in uh, new believers um and so we don't want to like romanticize persecution so much that we say it on, the only effect is that it solidifies the faith. Sometimes it does have ill effects. And I think that speaks to some degree of like the messiness. Uh, it, we mm, want to tell the stories of, yeah. of the, the victories, the wins, the people that persevere. Um, can you guys uh, describe some of the messiness of believers? And it doesn't have to be those who've fallen away, but maybe just the, the bumps along the road of people who you're sharing with. And it's not the case that like the first time they hear all of a sudden they have this like Romans, like understanding of the mm. gospel or clarity, like give people just a sense of like the messiness of ministry with uh, people who really don't have a lot of the categories you're talking about. All right. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to get into the theology of this, but I think I've developed a, a different kind of way of reading all the warning passages mm. in Hebrews yeah. and stuff, because at least on an experiential level, like what it feels like to pastor these people, you you watch those things happen. Either the cares of this life or pressure from their, their families or persecution can cause them to stumble for a while until they can kind of pick it back up or to, uh, in some cases, to even fall away. Uh, completely, at least from a, from a human perspective, however you want to handle that, you know, but um, yeah, it's messy. So, and even if someone believes, so some specific examples are like, we'll have believers and they're legitimate believers who, who love Jesus and have real faith. But when it comes to the way that they handle money mm. or when it comes to uh, the way that they interact with their families or uh, different, th- different, important life issues like that. They just haven't been discipled to the point where they can handle it well. And it can lead to just life crisis moments that we have to, we and our partners have to help lead them through. And that is super messy. Yeah. And it takes a lot of time, I assume. It's, it takes a lot of time. And here, especially where everyone is, uh, I mean, our country is going through economically, really uh, pretty much a crisis right now. And so, we we almost always have someone in a state of crisis that we're trying to help in a careful, wise way, you know. And so, um, yeah, hmm. health issues, family pressures. There's always someone like before. Uh, yeah, th- this one lady, she believed and she was doing great. And she's come back now. But she disappeared for like a month because her mom literally, her mom is a... I don't know how to explain this in a different way. It's, it's like a spirit medium, mm-hmm. claims to be a spirit medium, right? So our mom got so ticked off that she came and I think beat her, whatever that means. They said they she beat her. I'm not sure to what extent, mm-hmm. but it was a big enough deal that she quit coming for a month, more than a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so uh, just messy. And, and what do you do? You know, how do you lead someone through that? Uh, yeah. It's tricky. Yeah. Uh, that's good. Uh, syncretism. Do you guys run into that? Like, or, or people who they're tracking along with this, you know, the Bible and Jesus, but, uh, you've, you've mentioned before people who like still go to the, see the monk or something like that, or to be a monk, even though I don't really yeah. understand what all that means. Like give us a picture of, of some of this kind of in and out, uh, kind of, 
you know, dipping their toes in multiple waters or whatever. What does that look like here? Well, sometimes when we share the gospel with people, a lot of times they'll say, oh, yeah, that sounds good. Or they'll even say, I believe, um, which means a lot different than if someone in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have experienced that, had to learn what that means. And so that doesn't mean like I am submitting to this right. um, authority and I'm accept, you know, making Jesus the Lord of my life. Yeah. They just say, yeah, that sounds like it's true, sure. but um, not any change in their life. So for us, the big step um, for, for belief and identifying with Christ and leaving Buddhism behind is baptism. Mm. Um, and so. <laughs> yeah. I think you can you can hit that question from what we've seen outside of our own ministry or from what we've seen inside of our own ministry. For us, whenever someone uh, whenever someone is saying I believe, what we say is okay, you know, Jesus is is calling you to to forsake the world, forsake everything else and submit to his kingship. And you express that through baptism. And that marks a moment of repentance uh, in a sense of giving up previous sins, but also your previous commitments to uh, other forms of worship and everything. And so our people sometimes struggle with wanting to please their families. This mm-hmm. is this is the, the thing that we see more in our own ministry is people want to please their families by going through the motions of old uh Rituals, rituals that they don't actually believe in, but they they kind of want to just not believe it in their hearts and do it with their hands to make their parents happy or something mm. like that. And so we have to deal with that. You yeah. Know? What does it mean that you know? Is it meaningful that you don't believe it, but you're doing it anyway? You know, what does that say to your parents? Is it important? Is it important what it says? Yeah. You know. And uh, so we handle that outside of our ministries. There's a lot of people here who are hoping to see better results if 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 you'll allow me to use that word yeah, like yeah. more uh, conversions i guess yeah. by allowing a certain amount of syncretism mm. and so if like for example like maybe jesus is a better way to s- escape the samsara cycle mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. the cycle of suffering or something like that and uh it becomes like the same basic worldview just replace like insert Jesus in there as like this mechanism to Yeah, we could spend some time on that, right? But but um I just I mean we make it so clear up front that yeah. those degrees of syncretism are not something that we actually deal with yeah. among people who are professing in yeah. our groups. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um uh, as we as we kind of wrap it up, give us a picture of like the on, the ongoing state of the work. And in particular, I, I, I don't want to uh, pass over the opportunity that there might be somebody's listening to this who maybe there haven't been driving their whole life towards like making disciples overseas or planting churches, being a part of this work. Um, h- how is it that uh, basically what is the state of need for more workers? Mm-hmm. Uh, and how is it that people could, be involved in the work that you guys are doing here. Um, who, who do you need? What kind of people uh, are needed? Uh, th- that, that kind of thing. Like just, just, and I don't want to say make the pitch, but at the same time, pitch. I want to put a pebble in a lot of people's shoes that are maybe are right now are not considering, do I need to be involved in this kind of work? And, and maybe they start thinking, man, is, is the word kind of leading me to that kind of thing? And what would that look like here with this ministry? Mm, that's good. 
Yeah. So <laughs> I want to preface this by saying that everyone is not called to this work. Yeah. We don't uh, we don't see it as like a higher, you know, more spiritual kind of calling or anything like that. And I don't want to put that kind of message out there at all. Yeah. Um, but I do like to emphasize the great need. Uh, and so, like, I think earlier I said 0.08%. That's, that's eight in 10,000 people. Uh, and that's wild, man. That's like being at a ball game, you know, for, for like a, a rather large, yeah. important ball game. And in that whole stadium, like just a handful of yeah. people, you know, and usually those people are all grouped together. Mm-hmm. Like maybe in some city, there's like 20 of them. Yeah, know? yeah. And that kind of need in a world that Jesus Christ has claimed for himself and for his kingdom is unacceptable to his body. And s- someone has to go. The question is, you know, who who's going to do that? And um, yeah, that's the reason. Amy and I don't get any sort of kicks out of play in national geographic anymore there's no i mean honestly like I, uh, life is is really hard and i think different different people are fit for different places like yeah uh the m life looks very different depending on your context yeah. and I, I think that's a good thing to recognize yeah. for here uh you have to be an initiator someone who's willing to like take steps and risks uh on your own initiative uh, and that's important. And we need people. We do need people like that. And the other thing is you, you have to, you have to be pretty resilient. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Have to, yeah. We, we, you know, and when you're not the one that has grace, really. yeah. <laughs> I don't think we would even identify ourselves. We're resilient <laughs> people, but the Lord is good. That's good. There's a difference between worldly resilience and spiritual resilience. Uh, but yeah, you have to be, you have to be resilient. It's, it's a very tough place. And so, um, yeah, but I mean, really, if if you see yourself, you know, in a zero to one kind of place yeah. where there's such a huge amount of lostness, uh, this is a great place to to pick, man. Yeah. I, th- I think if you were to get on Joshua Project or something and pull up like the biggest people groups that are the least reached, if you were to filter out for that, I've done this before, and it depends on how you run your filter, right? Yeah. But this is in your top ten, you know, our people group, so. I would say too, just like um, getting involved at home now um, and that experience. I think Andrew and I have played off of our experience. Yeah. They're just things we've learned. Okay. We've learned. Um, just how to build relationships. Mm-hmm. How to evangelize. Yeah. Um, having those experiences. <laughs> so <laughs> we are so thankful for all the things we've learned. Opportunities the Lord had given us built off of those experiences. Um, That's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, maybe let's just close with uh, how people can be praying for you guys and for the work. Like, what are what are the things you guys pray you know, for yourselves and and for uh, the work that the Lord has? And and how can we kind of just come alongside that? Um, I would say just first and foremost that. And we just um, we're thankful for all the people at ADC and um, your prayers and your love and support. We really do feel um, that so many people are holding the rope for us um, and loving and uh, loving us and praying for us. Um, and just pray for our um, our spiritual vitality that we will abide in the Lord. Um, 
that daily. And no matter if we didn't get much sleep that night or whatever, that we will just um, stay rooted in the word and abide in Christ. Um, because if those things are not there, then um, our work is in vain <laughs> um, if we try to do it in our own strength. Um, so, yeah, that would be probably as our personal prayer request. Yeah, and I would say just continue to pray for the groups that have started and for that to continue. I think it's really sweet. And, and Amy said this before, it's a sweet time to be here because we're, we're getting to see things that people have not expected. Like the first time we led, I told Shane, the first time we led that first group of people to the Lord, the guy that was helping me was uh, kind of surprised, you know, that, that it was really happening, that he was getting to see it. And there's a lot of talk about people's hard hearts and things like that. And I like to say, and I will take the opportunity to say, uh, yes, like their hearts are hard, but the Holy Spirit is a very good plow. You know? <laughs> and uh, I, I just believe that if we continue to pray for believers and for the lost here, that uh, on, based on God's ability, not their, not their hardness, the kingdom can grow here in a way that glorifies Jesus, you know? Yeah. And so just keep praying for, praying for the believers perseverance and for the, um, kingdom to continue to grow. Yeah. Yeah. One specific thing that we're excited about in our ministry that I didn't talk about was, um, we're getting to a phase where we can do some level of leadership development, which is fun. We started out, it was all evangelism and now, uh, we're getting to do that more. Uh, so in, in the next year, we're hoping to start an, an internship of sorts where we just go out with guys, teach them, but also do the, do the work with them to plant churches here. And we're praying for the Lord to send us the right guys mm. and give us some wisdom about how to set that up. So that's a specific need. Yeah. And, and just a. um, clarify that you say guys but that is a particular need you guys have right is 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 men in particular that yeah. love the lord and want to follow him and want to be a part of the work because yeah. disproportionately women uh, are, are right now uh, yeah. following the lord yeah that's right it's kind of a strange <laughs> strange phenomenon I, yeah. don't, I don't really understand it but we we specifically need men not because of any other reason except that we're so short on them yeah you know yeah Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. That's good. Well, guys, thanks so much uh, for hosting us. Thanks for taking the time to do this. And thanks for sharing with the, uh, the IDC family. Um, I, I hope uh, that people, they hear your voices, they get your cards, they pray for you. Uh, they know you when they when you come visit uh, and uh, that we can just con continue the partnership uh, for a, a long time for the sake of the gospel here. So thank you for uh, your faithfulness. Uh, thank you all for your support. Yeah. Uh, thank you, uh, IDC family, for listening. I hope this has been helpful. And uh, we will, uh, like I said, do some more of these uh, in the coming weeks. Hope you have a great day.